Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. We are your hosts, music web designer, Ross Barber. And I am singer-songwriter, filmmaker, Marcia Novelli. And this week we're joined by LA-based singer-songwriter, Brandon Burnett. Brandon attended, hey. <laughs> Brandon attended NYU's Titch School of the Arts on full scholarship for musical theatre before being encouraged by his manager to travel the world and pursue his own music career. After meeting with music publishers and writing for other artists, Brandon was discovered by Cara Diaguardi, who signed him as an artist, developed him, and brought him to LA to record an album. His work's been nominated for Juno Awards, and tracks he's written for artists have featured in top 40 charts around the world, including a number one in Spain. Now focusing on his own material, Brandon has a new EP due for release later this year, and has just released a video for I Want to Be Free. So, hey, Brandon, hey. how's it going? Good, good, good. Thank you for the intro. I appreciate it. It's been a crazy journey. Absolutely. Yeah, it has it's been... Crazier when you hear it back, like I'm like, oh, crap, yeah, I did drop out of school full ride. I still remember that day <laughs> when I was like on the phone with Student Affairs making that decision. And I was, yeah, I was like going to go back. And then my manager called me and he said, hey, you know, we got your, your first offer from a publishing company. And in that moment, it was like, it was like a flip of a coin. It was like I could have stayed in school or left. And I just jumped in the bandwagon. And, and now here I am. It's crazy. So, I'll Brandon, talk. tell us three <laughs> things about yourself that everyone should know. Uh, three things about myself. Well, I'm from St. Louis. I, I, I've been many places in the world and grew up in many places, but I consider my hometown St. Louis. It's where I got my start, um, started writing and started playing shows and cultivating my fans. St. Uh, Louis! St. Louis! Yeah. Simpsons well, reference. My, my first record, this is also part of the first one. Uh, my first record was Nellyville by Nelly, which is hilarious to me. Um, another thing uh, I guess people should know, um, I love acting. That was one of my first passions. Uh, outside of music, you know, I, I'd always written songs and I'd always been uh, playing piano since about seven, but I fell into acting like my freshman year of high school and, I, and my first role, um, big role was the, in The Crucible and it was such an emotional uh, pact and it was, you know, there I am like a 14, 15 year old kid playing an older man and, and, and um, in, in the 1800s. So it was a really cool experience for me to like, you know, figure out the, the more creative cinematic side of, of my art artistry and, and also um, kind of diving into another head. And then the third thing, um, I guess, is a random fact. Um, let's see. I, uh, <laughs> I know how to plie, and that's because of Tisch School of the Arts. I know how to, uh, I was in ballet. When I made the decision to leave, um, before I got that call, I was in ballet, and I was... <laughs> like literally like this mid plie like with phone in hand still and i look down <laughs> and my buddy my buddy from my dorm says hey bro this song sounds amazing and we'd been working on a track and uh i looked down and i was like man i'm i'm in ballet right now i'm like learning how i'm at a bar in tights like oh. what am i doing and uh that's when i made the decision You're being awesome so, but, that's but, what I, I still know how to plie and, and and pirouette which is a, a fact that not many people know about me well, I, sh I showed my you, girlfriend freaked out. She was like, "What? You can 
Well, you and me both, man. The the acting thing, I, the, I fell in love with it in high school as well, man. And it was just like, yeah. realize society, you know, a, a side that you didn't know existed. A different way to express yourself, right? A different... Well, yeah. And uh, and the plie thing, my wife used to be a dancer. She, she taught me the whole different position yeah. stuff too. And you know what, man? It takes a real man to learn right. how to do that stuff. So you, you were previously signed to Warner Brothers. Um, yes. What made you decide to leave the label and go independently? Was it uh, any particular reason? There was, uh, you know, Warner was a great experience for many reasons. It started off, uh, you know, I got a lot of development, uh, which I think is so rare these days. I was just going to uh, say that word, most, rare. Most people really don't develop. They don't take the time. A&R is like, uh, nowadays, too, a label wants something to be completely packaged and ready to go before it goes out. So I feel blessed that I got signed, you know, right freshly 20, and I got a chance to... The first conversation with my A&R, Kara, was like, hey, you know, I'm going to send you into writing camp, like boot camp. So for like the next two years, like just expect to be writing. Like, don't expect a record to come out. Don't expect anything. I was like, wow. You know, like you, you expect to get signed and you want to get going. And I'm like, each song I'm writing, I'm like, this is a hit. This is the single. It's got to come out. And you very quickly learn that, you know, there's a whole order to things and there's a politics that play into a lot of things, too. Um but it was, you know, the development period was really, really important, and it was great. The, the initial period of, of writing and working with all these different cast of characters from the top producers in L.A. and to New York and all these different writers and stuff, it's a little confusing as well. You know, after the two-year writing period where I started to really hone my craft, after that, starts, it starts to wear off, and I started getting frustrated. I, I started feeling like I, I was ready to go. In my first placement, um, the, the song that won a Juno in Canada... Um, that was actually a record for me and I played it for my A&Rs and they were like, you know, it just doesn't sound like you. It sounds like another band or something. And then next thing you know, it's getting picked up and it's charting in Canada. And, you know, so, so I had to very who quickly pick, who learn picked that, that up. Um, Headley. Oh, no They're, kidding. What song was it? Yeah. Kiss You Inside Out. No kidding. You wrote that. You know that one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, Headley's, like, Headley's is really, really big in Canada. And Juno's is, uh, is like the Canadian yeah. equivalent to the Grammys, basically, right? So, I, I didn't even, yeah. It's so funny. I didn't even know when, when they said it was nominated for Juno. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I checked it out. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's huge. But it's, it's one of those cases, though, where, you know, like, I'm, I'm glad that, that that record didn't come out on me. It was, it was something that I learned very early on that's valuable to my artistry is that I can wear different hats. Like, I can be mm -hmm. a songwriter, a producer, and, and knowing which records are for you and knowing which records are for other people. And, I guess to answer your question, what really um, kind of made the shift off of Warner happened um, about last summer. You know, I was about to put out my first single, and I, and I had written my first single, Thanks for Nothing, three years before it was coming out. So it, it, it survived three years between three different presidents at Warner Brothers. So, like, one president heard, they're like, this is a hit. And then two weeks later, they were gone. And then the next president's like, this is a hit. And then a few weeks later, you know, a few months later, they're gone. And, um, uh, luckily, you know, um, Cara Diaguardi, who signed me, she left about two years um, into two and a half years into my deal. So my single was, you know, I had written it three years before, prior and it right. was coming out last summer and it literally came out. Um, you know, I was in the studio the day it came out. I was in the studio and, and I met a kid named Jake Miller, who was also just recently signed to Warner. He was like kind of like Warner's new. Uh, big priority pop act and, and we got in the studio and, and first flight home his single which is the first top 40 record that I kind of had here um, we wrote it in a matter of a, a couple of days <laughs> and uh, they they streamlined it out straight from the studio to, to out on radio at the same time as my single that I've been waiting for, for years and 
it was an exciting time because I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to have a song on this kid and it's going to boost my song and it's going to be great. And, you know, it, um, it, perfect scenario, you know, both songs blow up and they actually started competing at the same radio station. <laughs> so, so what was happening was that, you know, like Thanks for Nothing and then First Flight Home were both being added to this thing called Kiss Combat and they were, com- <laughs> you know, competing. And my single was trumping it and, and you know, that felt good at the same time, but I was like, I already know what this is going to do, you know, for a record, <laughs> record company. They, they need certain stations to play for their priority acts and, and it was very quickly determined that, you know, he was a priority and, and, yeah. um, and so they stopped Thanks for Nothing from playing oh, it. Oh, no. Just, yeah. oh, so, so they should have they should have just, they, you know, kept the no, three months apart I, or something, you I, know, I, and separate so, campaigns. Oh. Or initially, initially I was featured on the Jake Miller song, and the label wanted to package, because it was his first single, they wanted to package it as, like, you know, here he is, he can rap, he can sing. And they didn't want another singer on it, so. Right, right, right. Personally, I think it would have been the smartest to have kept the feature and then promoted both, because I was Great. writing for his whole record. Um, but then again, you know, um, everything happens for a reason. And, and as crappy as it was in October, when I got the call from my manager, like, hey, are you sitting down? No artist wants to hear this call where you're like, oh, man, like, I know what's coming. You know, they're going to tell me, like, the new president has just has decided not to meet with me and link with me. And, you know, I knew it was all coming because my product manager who was doing my EP artwork. got fired, like, a couple days before. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, goodness, here it goes. And so I get the call, and they're like, yo, listen, you know, they, they, the, the new president, you know, they have their priorities now, and they're, they're thinking about letting some acts go, and you're one of those acts. And I was like, ah. you know, it was a big ego blow initially. The first mm-hmm. weeks of that were really hard because you, you, you work so much, you know, after those two years of writing under Kara and then two years under Mike Karen and building a sound, and, and then it coming down to another act just taking priority and the other people not listening to it. It's a big ego blow. It takes the creative side of the music out and and um i feel like i had a saving grace in this period because i mean as fucked up as what i'm about to say sounds you know um it was a blessing you know my parents split up that same week that i got dropped so oh, my, my my dad who's who's been a big musical influence from the beginning he was um signed to Capitol records in the 80s and oh wow wrote, co-wrote um this the theme song to soul train and was on oh, soul train oh, all the time and stuff no kidding he was a big uh, influence and mentor and and, uh, and, you know, my mom was really, my mom was like my biggest cheerleader. So when, when I got dropped and they split up, it was like, what do I care about more? My family or like this record deal that I knew was kind of going nowhere and, and creatively I wasn't happy and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. so I took time and I, I really went inside of myself and I started writing songs that I felt I needed to write. I wrote, wrote healing songs that got me through this period. I wrote a song called The Healing, literally, that's going to be on my album that was one of those songs that like I had nothing when I wrote it and, and, I, and I had nobody to listen to the song when it was done, but I knew it was so special, you know, and, and that's what, that's where the music is now. It's like, I know, you know, I, I had so many people listening and so many inputs on my songs and so many people saying, oh, this is great, but we need a single or blah, blah, blah. And now it's the, the freedom um, that came from, from getting let go. Uh, really opened me up as an artist to what I wanted to say because I feel like it's the hardest thing in the world to be an artist. And what do you want to say in your first record? You know what I mean? You have one, <laughs> you have one statement to make. What do you want to say in that first record? And for the longest time at Warner, it was very, it was me, but it was with a bow. It was like great producers, everything sounded super pop and auto tuned and great. And, but it wasn't the raw essence of like that kid who who had been writing songs in his room at 15, 14, like crying about stuff. You know what I mean? Like the real deepness. Um, that I felt like my artistry had. And, and so um, that 
uh, Want to Be Free, the first video I put out, was the statement that I wanted to make post Warner Brothers. It was like th there was all this creative prowess inside of me and there was all this emotion packed inside that I couldn't even put songs up on Warner. They would stop. I tried putting records up and they would stop and say, no, the producer needs to get paid $20,000. We need to get paid $5,000. Like, there was all this crazy stuff that just gets in the way of, of building a buzz for real, you know? And, and I, I'm grateful that I got a chance to, to see the inside of the industry and now apply that to my independent grind because uh, now I'm reaching out to blogs on my own. You know, I'm reaching out to, to radio programmers and, and, and different sorts of uh, Starbucks playlists and Spotify playlists to try and get my music into it and putting it up myself. And, and it's really empowering now. And, and that's something I, I, I encourage all young artists to do is don't, don't just wait for the payoff and get the record deal because you need to be the record company. And, and that's what we forget. It's like they're a distributor. They put our stuff out and they, put the, they, they machine roll it. But we have to get the machine ready to be rolled. Um, and yeah, that's what I learned from Warner. So it wasn't really a negative experience in the long run. As much as it sucked when it happened, it really encouraged me to, to be the mogul that I want to be. Um, which is, I'm still in route. I'm not a mogul yet. But you know, like now at least I feel like I have the mentality to really do it myself. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I know that was such a great speech and I just kind of wrap it up with that's awesome. But it really is. Uh, I, I just feel like... A lot of people think that's the be-all and end-all, just getting signed to a label, particularly like a major label. But I don't think um, – definitely general non-musician doesn't know this, but I don't think even musicians know just how much creativity you need to sacrifice for that. You know, mm. So it's like – it sounds like – I can totally relate with, with you now, man, and, you know, and I, I love what you're doing. It sounds like you're coming from the – a real authentic place thank you You know that's what it's about you know i think that like you said it was it was you but with a a bow right. on it you know so it was like toned it's, down watered down is nicely right. and the whole idea of just you know you're writing it's it sounded like at the point at the time it was like you're writing for the hit you're writing for the hit you're writing for the hit you know what was, i always say that's so funny is every song in an album supposed to be a hit no all you need is one to three maybe you know singles which they can i think when you're when you're a songwriter like yourself that comes naturally. You don't even have to force that. When you're writing every maybe 20, 30 songs, you're going to get that one real hit naturally. Right. And I think that's, that's what speaks to people more than when you sit down to write a hit. Right. You know, people, sure, the general, maybe the general listenership is, I mean, if it's all over the radio, if it's put there, people are forced to listen to it. Sure, right. it can be a hit. But people, when you're on an independent level now, and people that are seeking out something different, real, they they can. I always say, people who love independent music can smell bullshit. They yeah. can smell a fraud. They can smell fake. Yeah. They know what's real and what's not real. So you know true. Mean? And it's you know, so it's, oh, you it sounds said like it, you're you on the right. It, you're on the right side now. <laughs> you, you said it best. Just playing quickly on that. You said it best. Is like you know, that's what the end of the Warner period was. Is like I had this first single ready to go for years, and then it was like. You know, this the uh, very, very prominent A&R was like, okay, we just need a second single. And so I was going into the studio trying to write a second single. And when you try to write a second single, you're like, you're trying to write something that's like the first single, but in an in evolution. It's like, that is the antithesis of artistry for me. And there, and there's yeah. there are places for artists like that. I mean, there, you know, I do, I've done plenty of sessions. I, I just did a writing session for Akon, you know, and, and it's so funny, like Akon's a writer, but like, some of these acts, they just take outside songs because they want to hit, you know? Fergie's mm -hmm. looking for a comeback single, and, and if she doesn't write it, it's not a big, it's not a big deal, but th that's a, a different level of artistry. They're sustained mm -hmm. now, you know? I'm trying to yeah. break up the scene, and you can't break up the scene with anything recycled like that, you know? 
And even even like some of the greats, like Bruno Mars is a perfect example of somebody who takes something that seems recycled uh, and 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 not, not unoriginal, but like obviously his first image was very like Elvis oriented and very like the pompadour and everything. Mm-hmm. But but there was something that was authentic about it to him, and mm-hmm. that's important. And and like and a lot of people at Warner were comparing me to Bruno because obviously I'm mixed race and I have you know dark features and all this stuff. Sure. But but when that you know when I when I asked myself, what makes me different from Bruno? What makes me different from uh, Jason Mraz or Ryan Tedder? Is my songs. It's my style of writing. It's the stories. It's the, the simple fact that I'm going to write a song about my parents splitting up that nobody else is going to write. So tell me a little bit about uh, the video for I Want to Be Free. I, I, yeah. Am I right to say you co-directed that or no? Yes. Okay, yes, yeah, very cool. Which I'm assuming your acting yeah. has gone into that world, which I can yes, relate to. Why really, not, right? Express yeah. yourself in any form. Why not? It was so exciting. And um, it... The free video happened just out of urgency. You know, I put the record up. I made the record in a month. Um, you know, I put. I met an incredible tree of, of musician producers, the chemistry, and they put guitars and bass on it. There's also, in the bridge, there's a Haitian artist singing, like, all the high notes. Oh, cool. and stuff. She's just freestyling it. I asked her to just give me what she felt. And, and nice. so the, just with the organic um, way that the track came about, and even from the this inception of, of the title, I was... It was late in our apartment and Molly, my girlfriend, was sleeping and, and I had made the track and I was just like singing like this and I was like, I want to be free. And then I just put this crazy vocal effect on and I was like, that's so simple and how I feel right now, what? And then, um, it, you know, it was interesting when I when I made the song, I, could, I had the track made and I, I didn't know how to finish it. I was like, I can't just put out an instrumental. Nobody's going to just <laughs> instrumental, right? So I grabbed the guitar. And I started working out the. I, I started writing it to acoustic guitar, so that you know it has the electronic bass as the track, but the song really was was organic, and and I stripped it back as far as I could to write it. Um, and then when we decided to do the video, you know, I had I had these contacts and people that I had been working with for a couple of years on on smaller things, and when I was with Warner and stuff, and because you know Warner wouldn't pay for anything, so I had to find all of the people myself, and I, I found an amazing cinematographer. Um, who was down to just shoot nice for nothing and anything. And, uh, my, my videographer, uh, and creative partner, she's from Australia. Um, she couldn't be in out here while we were doing this. So I was a little weary how I was going to work with just this cinematographer, but we sent all the footage to her in Australia and she edited it. And, and part of what makes that video for me is the editing. Yes. I said that to Ross. I'm I'm, I'm an editor too. And I'm just like, I get frustrated with bad edits or lazy edits, you know, she gets me Uh, though. That's that's the thing about like when it, when you, when you link, that's the tough thing about finding your team. There's so many people, there's so many editors, there's so many directors, there's so many people, there's so many actors. Like I could have used the girl. I could have, tried to find an actor, but I used my friend who was an actress who, who actually just got through being sober for two years. Like she's been oh, so, wow. she had a major drug addiction. And so she brought something so or, or real. I hate using that word organic, but it was so raw. Like she, the tears in the video were real. They weren't mm-hmm. concerned. And, and, um, me being on the roof, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I'm not a dancer, but I had this kind of like, uh, I got to give it up to Molly. She's, yeah, I should have given her a co-direction credit. Cause she was like, Brandon, just like, use this helipad as like a, a cage. She's like, make it your cage nice. and, and fight. It, like the fight that you went through and Warner and everything you've gone through um, as a person and overcoming. She's like, show me. And, and so... Yeah, the, she needs a co-director credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, getting, she's getting her lawyer to call you. <laughs> her lawyer is my lawyer. So it's... Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, no. See, but it was really, it was really, um, and uh, we threw paint against the wall 
And um, I had no idea what to expect. And my manager, I sent him the first cut of the video, and he was like, bro, too many sh- shirtless shots. He, he was so, like, not getting it because yeah. um, it wasn't edited and it wasn't put together. And so we shot additional scenes. We actually, um, you know, we, we, we had the video done, and then I was like, it needs more. It needs something else. It needs a storyline. So we shot the, the footage of us driving around. We shot the footage of, of the, the kind of struggle between two people. And um, it really turned out how, how I wanted it. And it's, it's such a great testament to see like something that wasn't there before and is there now and just the simple fact that it just takes balls to go and do it that's like, right didn't go up there and do it it wouldn't it wouldn't be there and and um now it's incredible to see what fans ask me they're like what is the video about and you know like or or they'll, they'll tell me what it's about to them and and that's exactly what i wanted um with it because i yeah i think it's a it, we have a tender uh, spot as artists to to exactly what you said write songs from a real place but then not try and superimpose like if I go into every song and say okay I wrote this about this and no. we're just boxing them in you know and I, and I want to let people take um, what they're going to take away from it which is why I'm going to do a, another video for Stand Down which we will talk about it uh, um, very briefly um, it's about St. Louis and it's about what happened in our it's what's happening in our country with gun, gun laws and gun nice. control and, uh, but I don't want to do a video where it's going to be like, you know, protest and, and everybody's like, oh, here comes another kid trying to speak for the generation. Like, I'm going to do an animated video. Nice. And it's going to be something. I plan to do one of those, yeah. And it's going to be something that's, that I had a dream. The, the actual inspiration of Stand Down was inspired by a dream. And so I'm going to do it about my dream. So people are going to be like, what the fuck is this video? <laughs> you know what? Making stuff from your dreams is really good. Yeah. I did an album cover for uh, for. Uh, a client of mine who, and who, who, who? Well, it was, it was t- Tyler Hill oh, um, yeah, yeah. and we were doing his album cover and we, we hadn't quite got it right and I remember having a dream about how it was going to look yeah. and this was, this was this was nothing you know even similar to what we discussed and right. I was like look guys I'm going to try something and let me know what you think and I tried it and it was like yeah that's the one yeah, and it was cover. so weird that I had that dream and I was like I'm just going to do it so yeah <laughs> I, I would always encourage people yes. if they have a dream when they create something, create it because Absolutely. it's probably going to be. It's probably going to. There'll be a reason you had the dream. Honestly, yeah. it's this conscious. It's this conscious yeah. level that we all kind of like are on. But like, I mean, sub. What is it? Subconscious. Subconscious. Yeah, yeah. yeah subconscious, where, where it's like I, that when you see my concept for for the stand down video, um, it's so powerful, but not about what I wrote it about, which is, which makes me excited. You know, like it was a, what, what inspired stand down. Sorry. I'm such a long winded person. What, what inspired stand down okay, was like, you and me both. <laughs> I had a dream. I had a dream where, um, an asteroid just shot down. Um, I was 18 when I had this dream and shot down and, and obliterated the world. But then it was like this big, the world was spinning and then it, and then it stopped spinning. And I woke up in the post apocalyptic world. And, and I had this, Incredible journey of, of traveling through police could read minds and people were trying to kill each other. It was a very doggy dog world. And I got to the end of this maze, so to speak, and I got to a gate. And this woman was at the gate and she was like, We've been waiting for you, Brandon. <laughs> and she's like, You know, she pulls up my file and all this stuff and it has like my history and my whole life. And I walk through this gate and I go into a room and there's a man in a chair and he's just saying to me, he's, He says to me in like a, this low, burly voice, like, If money, fame or girls become your main focus i'm going to send you back to the end of the world (laughs) and then and then like that i was sent to the future and in the future there i was and this is what the video is going to be like Uh, uh, there i am in the future in my old childhood home with my sister my older sister and i'm like where am i she's like we're in the future brandon i'm like 
where are mom and dad? And she's like, they're not here. I'm like, have I made it? And she's like, yes, you've made it. Yeah. Do I have money? Yes, you have lots of money. Um, and I was just like this, I, I literally remembered like looking at my sister in, in the future and being older, having facial hair and everything. And then I wake up <laughs> in my hotel bed at 18. This is real, real life now. But what I want to do at the end of the video is I'm going to wake up in the hotel bed after all this stuff in the dream happens. And then I'm going to look out the window and you're going to see the asteroid coming. <laughs> and then it's going to be like it's starting there. You know? Yeah. Um, but, but how, you know, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to come up with the right video for sound. I mean, that's what inspired Stand Down. But then it, the, the correlation of it having this um, relevancy to, to Baltimore riots and St. Louis and, and all the shootings that are happening. So what uh, kind of advice would you give to aspiring musicians? Because uh, you seem to have built up a good social media following, which I believe is from being authentic and genuine. Um, you know, uh, what sort of advice would you give to, to aspiring musicians that kind of want to do the same? I'd say um, really, you got to know, I mean, I, I don't know who I am yet, but you got to know who you are on, on social media. A lot of people post stuff just because they think other people want to hear it. And, and sometimes I'll find myself doing it. I'm like, oh, nobody's tweeted me today or nobody's interacted. Like, how do I get them to interact? And then I'll post some s stupid photo or something. And I'm like, why did I post that? I've done that's that not, before too. You know I mean? and, and, but that's it's the not. thing. It's a new generation that we're in yeah. and, and social media has become such a prominent thing, especially from when I first got into music, like, like heavily around 2006, 2007, 2008, when Twitter just popped up out of nowhere and YouTube just popped up and people were still transitioning off of MySpace and stuff. And now our whole social profile is online. So fans have this, you know, it's like a double-edged sword. They have, they, they, it's not this wall of, of celebrity anymore. It's kind of like if they want to know what Britney Spears is doing or where she's eating, they can go on Twitter and they can find it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the same time, brand. A brand is very important because, uh, you know, I won't name names, but there are some artists who, who literally... Name names, come on. We want to be no, controversial. They post, <laughs> no, they, post, they post for the likes and they post for the... Yeah. Know, the, like, uh, I, I can't tell you how many dudes who I, I've respected so much musically who just throwing so many shirtless selfies up that like you, I can't go on his Instagram without looking like I got something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the girl's like, are you looking at a shirtless? Leave me alone! No, it's like I'm not even trying. I like what I like. <laughs> no, it's, it's just popped up on my Instagram. But then yeah. again, like, you know, James Franco does a lot of that and he just, anytime like people ask him about it, he's like, hey, I'm giving the fans what they want. So I mean, the uh, other the side fact, of it, I mean, you know. The fact that it's all out there, um, yeah. I feel like it's, it's important. If you want to be represented right to just just like think about what you want to say and nobody else. Like, like if mm -hmm. I offend somebody on Twitter, like by my beliefs oh, wow. or something, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm weeding out the fans who are with me and the fans who aren't with me. And, and, and not that that's you should weed out fans in general because they're all great, but really knowing your fan base, knowing what kind of artists you want to be. And, and like, that's something that I, I really don't think I had when I was at Warner's is I was trying, I thought that they were going to put it, push it to radio and that I was going to have like, stinks on commercials and stuff so i kind of just slacked on the connecting with fans part um until the very end when i realized you know fuck the fans are going to be all that i have you know so what i mean like the they're, they're the thing. ones that yeah. come to the shows they're the ones that buy the t-shirts they're the ones that that buy that listen to the whole record and not just the single because there's mm -hmm. everybody that listens to the songs on the radio but who are the ones that listen to the full bodies of work and exactly. any young artist needs to just Make it about the fans um, and yourself. It's you and the fans. It's, it's, That's it. I, I think we were just saying that writing for ourselves is therapy. Um, mm. How about someone who wants to step outside that and write for other artists, which is something that you do yeah. as well. 
Um, what sort of advice would you give to them on how to approach a publisher and you know, how can people kind of make that happen? Yeah, that's a very, very great question um, because it's a tricky world. Uh, I, I never intended to be a songwriter. Uh, and, and like I said, like my first couple of placements happened, like I wanted them for me and they just became other people's. Um, but this, it's a, it's a very similar world as going in and writing for yourself. I, I found recently, I finally started writing for other artists and it's been paying off and it's been building. Um, but, but what turned it around was when I stopped thinking about it, like writing for other artists, and, you know, I just, I went in and I just started like, what can I give to what they're doing? Like what, what can I bring when all the, four years I spent like writing and with all these great hit makers and stuff like how can I use that and and then still also be invested because it's so hard like when you're writing for specific specific things that you're not into how can you give something great that's going to be anything great if you're not into it you know what I mean so um somebody my my collaborator longtime producer that I worked on this EP with this guy named Ryan Spraker he said to me um you know when you're an artist and you're working uh for other artists or writers the only way that you can give something great uh, and honest and authentic is, is is treating it like it's for you. Uh, and, and I'll just tell you a quick example. Two days ago, I had a session with a married couple named Johnny Swim. They're like the next Fleetwood Mac. If you haven't checked them out, fucking check them out. They're so good. They're so organic, so soulful. But I, I was like, you know, it was my first time. Right? They had been writing They've been, you know, dating since 18, 19. They're married. They just had a kid. So they have their own thing. And it's very similar to what my girlfriend and I have. But I was like, where do I fit into this? You know, I'm some 24-year-old writer kid, you know, and they, they probably done so many writing sessions that, like, they're expecting whatever. We get together, and they have this incredible verse about their parents. that They, they both lost a parent in the same year last year. And I, I was, was astounded because, I, I, you know, they played me this idea, and I could feel the emotion. I was so into it like I was like oh my god like where are you gonna go next you know I was like if I was a listener I'd be like oh my god you know so then and then I was just like I can really relate to this you know it sounds like a relationship or it sounds like this and, and I pulled something out of what they were talking about for me and then I felt comfortable enough to go hey what do you guys think about this I'm hearing this and then all of a sudden you know we're vibing on a melody and then all of a sudden we're vibing from the melody to the lyric and it's very just natural how everything happens and we're having conversations and you know um the wife is stopping and she's making watermelon in the middle and bringing it out and, and there's it less of songwriting and more of like communicating and that is i think for anybody who wants to be a good songwriter is just like be a good communicator be able to talk to people like you're never gonna get i mean sometimes you do you get in the room and someone's like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and it's done you know and other times you're like playing the thumb game like hmm should we do this idea we can do this we can do country we can do pop and the only way that you get on the same page with people is just to connect with them and just see where people are at sometimes sometimes i've had conversations like that literally the last word before we start writing is what inspired the whole song and is that song number one is that song diane warren status all over the world yet you know it's not maybe you know maybe it will maybe it won't but i know that i, I felt good about writing that song and and I think if, if um, any aspiring songwriters are out there, um, really, really focus on just knowing yourself so you can communicate and, and, and do it honestly and earnestly and leave your ego out of the room. A lot of great ideas and a lot of great things get stopped by ego, too, uh, mm -hmm. because a lot yep. of people 
don't want to take a chance on an unsigned act. My girlfriend has been dealing with this for a lot. I talk about her a lot because she's, you know, I'm, I'm partially developing her and she's really inspired me because she's had nothing and she's worked jobs and she works background and, and to get in the room with, with great producers is really hard. They all want money from you and they all want, and, and, uh, you know, she's just about to get published now. And what we did was we just wrote, we wrote and we, when we thought we were done writing, we wrote more so we could give her the most experience that she could have before she gets to a point of having a publisher go, okay, now I'm going to send you because I think you're a star into rooms with other stars. And like, if you're not ready to, to, to be yourself and give your mo like the best of yourself, like if you're not giving the best of all your ideas in every session, you're doing a disservice to the people. Yeah. You can't hold it back saying, I'm going to say this for me. That, and say, that's it's that's like, sometimes. And, yeah. and, and it's not a healthy way to do it because yeah. You never know. And at other times, I've wasted great ideas on people that weren't, weren't right. And, and you learn your lessons. So, and, and how do you, so you just kind of, it's just following an instinct of what feels right? You trust your instints. Yeah, trust your that gut. Is the, is the biggest trust thing. Trust your gut. I think that that's it all comes down to trust your gut. Another person said it. A manager, oh my gosh, your manager should be um, in the car with you, in the passenger seat, helping you decide where to go. But if you want to make a left and you say, no, I got a feeling, we got to go left, your manager better go left with you. And that's something that's really important. Well, you like, kick him out the door. <laughs> team is a team is so important from inside the room to outside the room. You know, if 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 if, if me and my songwriting partner weren't connected in the room, we're not going to do great work. If me and my manager or me and my publisher aren't connected, we're not going to get great sessions. That's exactly right. You got you, and you got to like your team. You got to work well together. But you, as the artist, I truly believe need to be the driver of the car. Definitely. Maybe your car is a Prius like mine, yes. or maybe your car is like a huge, you know, van, and you have many more people in there. But you still gotta be the driver, bro. Your car is in your friend's garage right now, busted because an Uber driver hit it three months ago. <laughs> you know, Brad, are you ready for twenty questions? I'm ready for twenty questions. Let's get it. All right, coffee or tea? Coffee, for sure. Meat or veggies? I want to say veggies, but it's meat. Oh, CD or vinyl? I know. Vinyl. Twitter or Facebook? Twitter. Piano or guitar? Piano. Yoga or yogurt? Yoga. So, okay. Breaking Bad or Orange is the New Black? Orange is the New Black for sure. St. Louis or Los Angeles? St. Louis. Louis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> indie or major? I think I know the answer. Indie. <laughs> In, wait, indie? With a major mindset. Oh, I like that. It's <laughs> a good one. Canada or Scotland? Oh, oh. I know you've got Juno, so I mean, I, I can accept it if you say. I've never been to both, so I, you know, they're, I, I have to choose one, don't I? Yes. I'm looking at you, man. <sighs> it's more likely that we could collaborate in the Toronto. future. <laughs> Friends or, or Seinfeld? <laughs> Friends. Family Guy or American Dad? Family Guy. Lincoln Park or Led Zeppelin? Oh man, I gotta say, I gotta say, Lincoln Park. I love Zeppelin, but Lincoln Park. I love has Lincoln this, Park too. Has this like '90s reminiscent feel for me. Uh, I, I've listened to them since the beginning, man. They're great. They fell off a little bit here and there, but yeah, yeah. Jason Mraz or John Mayer? John Mayer. Definitely. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Jackson. <laughs> Stop laughing. It's a serious question. <laughs> Twerk or work? Work. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Ricky Gervais. Whale or kale? <laughs> Whale or kale? Don't try to make sense of it. <laughs> Just go, go with your gut. You know, yeah, your gut, exactly. Go with your gut. Kale. 
Nice. Bet Midler. Well, you're from LA, so I mean, you have to have Kale. <laughs> I've been there, Kale's and everything. <laughs> Bet Midler or the Riddler? Uh, Bet Midler. Cool. And the final question here's where the drum roll comes in. Or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This is a mean one, but Ross is going to have to ask it. Okay, so Ross or Marcio? <laughs> You know, since I gave you Toronto, Marcio, I'm this giving is fair. It to Ross. I'm giving it to Ross. This is fair. That's fair. Yeah. Good for you. That yeah, I like that. That's yeah. diplomatic. Shows the kind of guy yeah. you are. <laughs> what are you listening to uh, lately, man? Oh man, I have been listening to. Um, Do you have an artist to recommend? Let me just pull up. Uh, you guys gotten into Banks? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Banks is pretty big over here. Oh man, really, yeah. really, really like her. Just her type of if you, songwriting and stuff. If you like Banks, then check out Indiana. Indiana? Indiana Indiana is very similar to Banks and also very good. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this, but is it Broods or bro- like Broods? Do you know oh, what I'm yeah, talking about? Broods is pretty cool too, yeah. Oh, I heard that, I I know I'm late on this. It was a, it was like a big song in, in their country like a year ago, but I just heard that that single that's just piano and vocals. Right. I it's called right now. I was just blown. I was just it, it's very yeah. rare that I hear a song, especially on the radio, and I'm just like, wow, what was that? There's a there's a male artist, but I don't know why. I just uh I just can't find... Oh, James Young. Have you heard of James Young? No. Not oh, heard of him. He's inspired by Coldplay. Coldplay is like one of my favorite oh, bands. Oh, Coldplay is great. I don't know. I understand people who make fun of Coldplay. The, oh, oh, the early Coldplay. Know, yeah. It's kind of Coldplay. cool to make fun of Coldplay. It's now. stupid. He's that. a great songwriter. He's a great songwriter and, and I love music. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So check, out, check out James James Young because since you know Banks, check out James Young. He's really, really, really dope. He did some stuff with Birdie recently. on the. I think he did a, on the Hunger Games soundtrack or something like oh, that. Oh, cool. Um, Do you have, you have playlists on Spotify, right? Yes. Okay, we're gonna follow each other. I think I think we've got a lot of uh, similarities yeah. and tastes. So uh, yeah, nice. I'll share my my list with you. Any new music, please. I'm like we're avid lovers, yeah. so and I'm I need I need people to send me good music. So anyone anyone listening or watching this right now, send us good music suggestions, like really yeah. good stuff. We and always want to hear stuff. Yeah, and people can find you online at Brandon Burnett. That's Brandon with a Y and yes. Burnett with a two T's. Uh, Twitter, you're Brandon Burnett. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, it's all consistent. Um, yeah, please go follow him, everyone. Go listen to what he's doing. It's great stuff. This guy's a great dude. You're a great dude. I don't know why I'm... I'm yeah, we like great dudes. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. a great dude. <laughs> just, just quickly, um, just yeah. so you guys know, because we didn't uh, touch on it. I sure, am sure. going to be dropping uh, my EP, my self-produced EP, Made of Dreams, this summer. Um, my birthday is... I'm going to be 25 on August 23rd, so I'm Ooh. thinking it would be a good quarter year birthday present to drop an ep that that i'm i'm really believing so it'll be on spotify it'll be on iTunes. there will be videos and yeah just check me out and if anybody has problems spelling it it's brandy with an n that's how i tell people perfect (laughs) b-r-a-n-d-y-n-b-u-r-n-e-t-t-e right did i do it right Thank you, brother. Awesome. Thanks, and if uh, if uh, if you want to find out what I'm doing and hear my music, see what I'm doing uh, in a film uh, world, go to marcionovelli.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-O-N-O-V-E-L-L-I.com. And if you want to find out what I'm doing, what I'm working on, you can find me at electrickiwi.co.uk. And since we're spelling everything, <laughs> E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-K-I-W-I.co.uk. And I can't spell out loud. So yes, <laughs> yes I feel so proud it. of myself. You did I, it. I always, I'm like so glad I can spell. I'm like, yes, I can spell my name still. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.